You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So you're ready to make your side hustle your main hustle. Now what? Start with the all-in-one marketing platform from MailChimp. That's what. It has everything you need all in one place to give your new business the strongest start with the right marketing. Jumpstart your business with easy-to-use tools like the number one email marketing solution, a website builder, and a social post scheduler. Learn more about the all-in-one marketing platform at MailChimp.com. Hi, this is Reset, and I'm Sigal Samuel, filling in for Ariel Duim-Ross. I'm a staff writer at Vox, and I focus on artificial intelligence and technology and how they intersect with ethics and religion, which is exactly what we'll be diving into today. Hi, and welcome. It's nice to meet you. Would you like to be blessed by a female or a male voice? What you're hearing right now are robot priests, which are, well, robots that function as priests. They can bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Read the Bible to you. Ecclesiastes 4, 9. And even perform your funeral. They're showing up all over, from Buddhist robots in Japan, to Hindu robots in India, to Christian robots in Germany. Now, having a robot as a priest might sound crazy to you, but believe it or not, robots aren't actually new to the religious domain. For example, way back in ancient Greece, people invented animated machines that could pour wine over altars. And in the Middle Ages, Christians designed machines to perform the rituals of Easter and Christmas. So religious robots aren't new, but what is new is the use of artificial intelligence, or AI, in religion. By AI, I mean a system that's doing more than just regurgitating a pre-programmed response to whatever you ask. I mean a system that can mix it up a bit, or learn from its interactions with humans to grow more sophisticated. My name is Gabriele Trovato. I'm Italian. I live in Japan in Tokyo, as I'm working in Waseda University, and my research is in robotics, in particular social robots. Gabrielle designed a Catholic robot, but he prefers to call it a companion for prayer. Go in peace, and may God bless you. And this is Santo, Gabrielle's robot. Santo is short for Sanctified Theomorphic Operator. What it does is to provide an enhanced service, enhanced in the sense that it can keep company with the user typically, especially elderly people, and provides the contents of the Bible, and can provide relevant answers to, to people's questions.
The robot is shaped like a man, if a man were 17 inches tall. He's designed to look like a Catholic saint wearing white robes and a big cross around his neck. His palms are raised to the heavens and there's a halo of lights behind his head. He's standing under a white arch with columns on either side. It looks kind of like a miniature Roman sculpture that can move. It moves, yes. It has two degrees of freedom, so it can move the torso right and left and the neck up and down to follow the position of the user. If you move around, it just turns in front of you. If you're up for it now, I would love to actually interact with the Santo robot. Can I try asking it a question? Yeah, here we go. When you touch the hand, it starts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. What brings you here on this beautiful day? <laughs> um, well, I am 32 years old. I'm single. I wonder if maybe I should get married one of these days. What can you tell me about marriage? Ecclesiastes 4, 9. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? <laughs> okay, that's amazing. It sounds like Santo kind of wants me to get married. Wants to get married, apparently so. <laughs> so uh... <laughs> okay. I go back to prayer. I'm available anytime. Yeah, now this is just, <laughs> now it's in standby. That's very comforting. What a comforting standby message. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm really curious. So tell me a little bit what information this robot has stored in its system. First of all, is it AI-powered, or are we talking about just a predetermined set of data that's programmed into it? Uh, well, this, I guess, it depends on the, on the definition you give to AI. So if you mean something capable of learning, then this is not the case. But also it's not a completely a, a scripted software that it, for every of your uh, inquiries it has a predefined answer that's also not the case only something in between because it tries to give relevant answer by looking uh, searching through the bible and other texts and prayers citations in a way that sometimes you you don't expect what kind of questions have people been asking santo well, I brought the robot to a church, inside the church in Peru, and I tested with people. So I heard all kinds of questions, actually. Some people just start talking and start talking even about private things, which uh, obviously the, the robot is, is not able to, to even understand. So in a certain sense, the interaction has to be guided. Mm. In fact, it is guided through lights. So the, behind the head uh, of the saint, there's the aureole, which turns on when you're allowed to speak, because that's the moment when it's actually recording. Okay, so there's a sort of a halo that lights up behind the saint, and then you know that you can ask your question. You mentioned that people were 
asking some really kind of private questions. What was surprising or weird or unexpected to you? Well, some people asking about afterlife, some people asking about what did Jesus say about this specific thing, like uh, like, <laughs> like interrogating, like wanting to, to testing the knowledge of, of the robot, or just start talking about personal stuff, about problems within his family, or about uh, health issues. I know a lot of social robots are designed, especially with the elderly in mind, uh, because they might have sort of some limited mobility or limited social contact. Was that the audience for which you originally designed this robot? Yes, it is originally designed for that audience in Catholic countries in Europe, so where there is an aging society and many elderly are living alone at home and some are impaired, can't go to the church. That was the original idea, but actually in Latin American countries there was much more enthusiasm about the, the robot also by uh, younger generations. Wait, why do you think younger people in Latin America were interested? They're more religious overall. Mm. And I'm curious, you know, you're, you're an Italian from a Catholic background. Do you have a, a hope that these sorts of robots will bring people closer to religion, people who might have kind of strayed from the path? It's not my main purpose to do evangelization with the robot or, or converting people from other religions, not at all. But I believe that it's really a shame that among the, the 2,000 years of history of, in Christian theology, we have so much content which gets lost because it's just written in books that nobody knows. So it, it could be a valuable resource in containing all those contents and having it handy. Have you gotten skepticism or pushback from the religious community? Did you talk to bishops or figures in the Vatican and, and try to get their input? Yes, of course, I got all kinds of criticism from everyone. I met some enthusiastic people as well, but criticism mainly came from the academic side who many stated that science shouldn't mess up with religion or somebody just laughs. So at the beginning, it's really um, the potential is not well understood. Of course, I consulted with important persons in, in the Vatican. I met with the Archbishop uh, of Lima uh, because my main concern was doing you know, something wrong that wouldn't please the Catholic Church, and I don't want this to happen. So what were some of the things that the figures in the Vatican, the archbishops, what were some of the things that they said these robots absolutely should not do? One obvious thing is that it shouldn't replace a human priest. And in this sense, it shouldn't go too far giving, like, personal advices about things which only a, a human could do. Are there boundaries that you think should not be crossed? I believe, for instance, that uh, confession wouldn't be ethical. Uh, making a robot perform confession and record people's scenes and maybe storing them in a database on the cloud. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, that, could act, that actually raises a ton of privacy concerns for me. Tell me a bit about the positive potential that you see in religious robots. Do you, know, do you think they have the potential to change human ethical or spiritual decision-making for the better? For the better, I don't know. But for sure, 
uh, new technology will, will make religions change as it happened in the past. Because just think of the invention of printing press, how it helped Bibles to be spread and decentralized the control and uh, indirectly push towards the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of dual uh, relationship that religions and religious institutions can get benefit from new technologies. This kind of thing will never replace humans. There is a fear in a certain sense also from church that objects like this will become an idol, will become the target of prayer. This is misunderstanding to be avoided, and in the next versions of the robot, it will be clarified even better that the robot is supposed to be an intermediary to pray together to God, not the the addressee of the prayers. Got it. So you're praying with the robot, not to the robot. With the robot, not to the robot, exactly. As robots become incorporated in more religious communities, they might start to change how people experience faith. They might also change how we make our ethical decisions, which is a big part of religion. But will they change our decision-making for the better or worse? And will they make religion feel too mechanized? Coming up after the break, I'm going to talk with a tech ethics expert to get into these questions. Going through the hassle of trying to replace your stuff after it's been damaged is is really stressful. It can take time, and who knows if you'll be able to find the right thing again, right? The right item that just got destroyed. So one thing that you really don't want to worry about is how you're going to pay for it. State Farm Renters Insurance helps protect the stuff landlords don't. Like your furniture that got drenched by a broken pipe. Or if somebody breaks into your apartment and makes off with a new laptop. When you add it all up, your stuff's probably worth more than you think. And in the event of a burglary, fire, or maybe water damage to your belongings from a broken pipe, landlords won't cover your loss. So, for pennies a day, you can make sure your stuff's protected with State Farm Renters Insurance. And with more than 19,000 agents across the U.S., it's easy to find one nearby. Because when it comes to renters insurance, State Farm agents are ready to help. Find an agent or get a quote at statefarm.com. That's statefarm.com. Mechanized religion seems like an oxymoron. Deborah Johnson's a professor of technology and moral philosophy. In 1985, she wrote one of the very first books on computer ethics, and she's been following ethical issues in tech ever since. We generally think about religion as having to do with our souls. And then we're interacting with what I take to be a soulless machine. But then there's all these people that actually believe that over time, AI will become so sophisticated that they will be like human beings. You know, Kevin Kelly, who's this Christian uh, co-founder of Wired Magazine, uh, he's actually said, you know, there will be a point in the future when these free will beings that we've made, these AIs, will say to us, I believe in God, 
now what do I do? And so he thinks we actually need to develop a catechism for robots because he thinks if we end up creating intelligent machines with free will, we're going to start to have to ask whether they have something functionally similar to a soul. I, I don't buy it. I think this idea that we'll create something with a with a soul or, you know, w- with consciousness or whatever is sort of ill-conceived. I don't think people really understand what they're saying because I don't think soul is something that suddenly emerges and, and you discover mm-hmm. it. I think it's con- it's socially constructed. So let's, let's think about these robot priests that are already coming into existence, uh, like Santo, this Catholic robot that I had the opportunity to chat with the other day. <laughs> okay. Would you say there are some potential upsides to inviting robots to be our priests? So... If you go way back to one of the first AI people, Joe Weizenbaum, he designed this program called ELISA, and he tried to create a simulation of a therapy, psychotherapy session. And um, he was really surprised when psychologists sort of grabbed onto this and tried to use it for psychotherapy. In other words, you would talk to this computer. And the interesting thing was that some people actually found it easier to talk to the computer mm-hmm. and were much more willing to come forward and talk about their problems than if a person were sitting in front of them. So if you think about that example, I think there are some possibilities that there would be some value in robotic priests. I'm open to that. <laughs> I think that makes sense. I mean, One story I reported on in the past is the Catholic Church's sexual abuse scandal. Uh, And, you know, when you think about a situation like that, it's possible for me to imagine, you know, someone who's devout, wants to be able to talk to a priest, but actually has an easier time talking to someone or something that doesn't come off as male, patriarchal, uh, someone who has the potential for abusiveness. So, yeah, that's conceivable to me. So, so tell me, what are some of the potential pitfalls you see, some of the risks you see with AI entering the religious domain? I just wrote a, a paper about humanoid sex robots. And so it's a similar question. What would happen if we actually introduced, you know, humanoid sex robots? Would people prefer them over human partners? And if they did, what would that do to the way we think about what it means to be human and to be in relationships? So I, I would think you would have you'd have a similar question for religion. You would begin to sort of say, so what is religion? Is it just going through the motions? Because a robot goes through the you know, just just in quotes goes through the motions. It seems like you would lose something there. I love this parallel between the sex robots and the robot priests. So that's the other fascinating point I think you bring up is this point about intentionality. So in a lot of religious traditions, particularly Abrahamic ones, I would say, you know, Judaism, Islam, Mm -hmm. intention is super important, right? So if I'm praying, it's not only the words that my mouth is mechanically uttering that matter. It matters what my intention is. Um, Now, there are some religions, especially um, Eastern ones uh, like Buddhism, where intention is downplayed a bit more and, and People tend to believe that the ritual itself has some spiritual efficacy. Mm. Um, So, you know, you might think of Tibetan prayer wheels or uh, something like that, where the idea is it it works to some degree, even if there's no one there intending a certain kind of spiritual meaning behind it. In that literature on humanoid sex robots, you know, one of the things 
that people worry about, and, and this is true for religion too, you're talking about machines that can customize and personalize. So they kind of give you everything that you want. Whereas in real human relationships, friendship relationships, romantic relationships, philosophers would argue part of that relationship is that you burden one another. It's the burdening of one another that makes it a real relationship. In other words, I have to do things. I have obligations. I have to behave in certain ways. Too true. <laughs> to maintain a, a friend, you know, friend, I have to be there if a friend calls me in the middle of the night and needs me to do something. That's what I mean by burdening. So that none of that, that would just go away in with sex robots. Now, it, it seems to me something parallels is what you were kind of getting at there in terms of religion, that there isn't, there isn't anything inside going on. So what you said about um, the curated aspect, the customized aspect really interests me. And for me, it brings up this other potential risk. Do you think there's a risk that AI priests could shape our ethical decision-making habits for the worse in the sense that, you know, robots whose algorithms learn from previous data might nudge us toward decisions based on what people have done in the past and that could kind of incrementally homogenize the answers to our religious ethical queries and kind of narrow the scope of our imagination? Yes, that, that, that is one of the worries in general about AI, that it because it's based on patterns, it replicates, it just intensifies those patterns. It's not open to change. We use this word mechanization. Yeah. And I'm now realizing that that can mean a couple different things, right? Mechanization can mean, uh, okay, for example, a couple years ago in India, they rolled out this robot arm that can perform this Hindu ritual, the arti ritual. So, so this ritual involves moving a light around in front of a deity, and the robot arm yes. can do that for you. And, yes. you know, okay, great. Uh, so that's one kind of mechanizing. But this other kind of mechanizing is mechanizing and narrowing our decision-making based on the patterns from the past, like you were saying. And that mm -hmm. that kind of mechanizing, mm, I don't know how I feel about that, because for me, part of the beauty of religion is all kinds of crazy stuff can happen, you know? Like, there's so much variety, there's so much diversity in our experiences. Now, it occurs to me that a robot like Santo is actually doing hidden interpretational work, right? So even just the decision to quote this Bible verse and not that Bible verse, uh, yes. that's already a decision that might influence me to act in this way and not that way, even if the robot never says, hey, Seagal, you should get married or you shouldn't get married, right? So yeah, right. Is, that, is that a problem on some level? Yes. Yes, because imagine these robots or AIs in the hands of people with certain ideologies. Mm. I, I, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's a tool for propaganda and manipulation and all of that. Yeah. I mean, in a way, it's like saying it's all political. You know, you published one of the first textbooks on computer ethics back in 1985. What were the concerns about AI then? And are they fundamentally different now? Like, are the questions I've just asked you about robot priests, is that totally different from what people were worrying about in 1985? Well, you know, the big issue in 1985, there was discussion of artificial intelligence. I don't know if it was by that name, but the big thing they were worried about was the fact that human uniqueness 
was being challenged and undermined. That is, it was this idea that the unique feature of human beings is that we're rational, that we're, you know, unlike all the other animals and entities in the world, we have this rational capacity. And now we have this machine that has the capacity to do that, to be as rational as human beings are supposed to be. I mean, that's a whole nother story now. But um, so there was a real threat to what it would mean to be human. And and that threat, you know, people don't talk in those terms anymore. But it certainly is lurking there in this idea that we're now going to create robots and AI that, that are so close to being human that we'll have to recognize them as having rights and things like that, which does undermine what it means to be human. I think I also saw that fear lurking in my friends' responses when I wrote an article about robot priests, posted it on social media, and some of my friends who are rabbis and uh, imams started saying, oh no, I think I'm out of a job. (laughs) I I don't think so, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that might be jumping the gun. (laughs) Right, I think it is. This is Reset. I'm Sigal Samuel, filling in for Ariel Duem-Ross. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Sigal Samuel. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. If you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us. We'll be back on Thursday. Later, nerds. Every time Ariel says later, nerds, I'm like, heh. (laughs) I love it.